All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mockingbird. I'm sitting here with Mr. Kurt Lee Wheeler. What's going on, buddy? Hey, hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, man, we've been trying to make this happen now for like <laughs> months. I felt like so many times, it's like the Apostle Paul said it. I've tried time and time again to come over to Ephesus, but this time it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> this time it seemed good to us and yeah, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah we finally <laughs> made it work. Absolutely. Well, first off, man, you brought this beautiful, what, it's the, that, what is, it's the 2018, yeah, uh, book, uh, small batch, cut unfiltered bookers. Yeah, it's the first edition bookers, they're doing five episodes, or five editions of it, and that's edition number one, and so I uh, wanted uh, the biggest promoter of uh, original artists in the area to have something oh, worthy well, to sip on while he's I, talking to his artists. Well, so. I certainly, certainly appreciate it. I've always been a huge Booker's fan, too. Huge Booker's fan. Yeah, that's good. I hope yeah. it lasts for somebody else. <laughs> it will. As long as Leanne don't get too deep into it. It'll last, because that's a sipper right there for sure. Yeah. So, uh, before we get too deep into it, kind of tell everybody who Kurt Lee Wheeler is. I know a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are going to know you. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a household name to a bunch of people, but there's going to be, I've got people as far as away, it's like a couple of New Zealand listeners, i got some listeners awesome. all over the world, so tell people, give them a, give them a cliff note. Here's the cliff's notes on Kurt Wheeler. Uh, born and raised in uh, Lathamtown, Georgia around gospel music and country music. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad were cloggers. Of course, yeah. I was a clogger. And as a result of them being cloggers, they used to open for a lot of big country music people at different uh, gymnasiums, uh, other places like Lanierland Country Music Park. Yeah, uh, That's where I got to meet Hank Williams Jr., Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, Hank Jr., Jim Ed Brown, Charlie Pride, Mel Tillis, Barbara Mandrell, uh, Jenny C. Riley. All of them. Uh, just those folks. Yeah. And then eventually I did get, they because they clogged, they got to clog at the Grand Ole Opry, and that's where I got to meet Johnny Cash and Lenny really? Jimmy Dickens. And, wow. And I had no idea the, the culture and heritage. Yeah, sure. Because how old were you, roughly? Uh, I was clogging probably around seven, eight, nine. I think so, I met Johnny Cash when I was nine or ten. So, yeah, you were still pretty young, young to really understand the levity of what's happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so Kurt Wheeler's story is a Gene and Barbara Wheeler story. Mm -hmm. um, they raised me up loving to to love music. Yeah. And so we danced. Uh, we had a linoleum floor in that kitchen, and we'd go in there and clog on it, and we'd tear that floor up. Really? We'd tear that linoleum to pieces. Yeah, and then just put some new <laughs> put linoleum, linoleum down. Yeah, so yeah, that was I'm, it. I'm always fascinated. Like, I love, uh, you know, like, Old door handles where you can see where the hands being mm -hmm. are. Old wooden steps that are slowly, even concrete steps. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting. I, I wish there was a picture of that old. Oh old God, door. I you love know it. What I mean? Yeah, I love it. I just there's something about that because it tells a story. Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. you know, there's it's something behind a scar. Yeah, in wood on skin on anything. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. something always behind a scar. Yeah, especially when it's a scar that's left. By people, not in an intrusive way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, just from living. Yeah. Just living. Scars of living. That's yeah. our next song we want to write together. That's a, yes. 
That's it. We'll write that for the night's hey, over. Yes. The <laughs> scars are living. Yeah, yeah the scars. Scars are... are living well. Oh man, that's good. That's real good. Yeah, we could do that all night long. Yes, bro. sir. Yes, sir. So when did you start writing songs? I mean, you've been music all this time. I'm sure it's been a long time. I think I started making up stuff as a kid. Just every kid. Yeah. I had some children today at school. They talked about, <laughs> I can't write music. I said, it. I, I said, I'll challenge you on that. I said, every one of you used to make up songs. Oh, yeah. Until some adult came along and told you it was stupid or dumb. Right. And then you believed them, and so you quit. Yeah. And I always tell the story about my daughter going through the house She's two and a half years old singing, I like, I like, I like to wear my bathing suit. I said, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful song. I mean, it's just a little kid pouring out their heart. Yeah. Probably a combination of vacation Bible school songs, kindergarten songs, and she comes up with this idea that I like wearing my bathing suit. Because it's a genuine thought, you know. I'm sure that bathing suit represents... Oh. Going swimming or going yeah. to the lake or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's a genuine moment of joy yeah. that she's recapturing. Yeah. So it's, I've probably been writing songs on a lot. I remember writing songs and uh, the first song, I, my, my brother, <laughs> my brother still gives me a hard time about it. I think I wrote a song called Lonely by the Fire. <laughs> that was my first song, which, uh, you know, when you're around songwriters, we're tortured set of souls yeah and most of our songs are pretty sad yeah. so uh, I started writing sad songs back then and yeah. I'm still writing sad see, songs see I wonder what that is too because I mean obviously when you're younger and you write a song Lonely by the Fire you're, you're probably not all that lonely you might have been you know everybody has different situations but I grew up between we were talking um, Martin Joseph was last Sunday was at the mm-hmm. Hog and Ale with me and we were and it's, this theme comes a budge like sad songs are just better there's something wonderfully attractive about melancholy. I think it is. You know, and, and the, I think the diff, the balance is for me as a songwriter is how can I write about that melancholy without being sappy yeah. or tried or, yeah. or, or not old hat or right. just totally. like that's kind of a dish rag kind of lyric. Yeah. And so it's made me, in a, in a good sense, writing about sad stuff has forced me to go to the woodshed to find better ways to say I'm sad and lonely. Yeah. Without saying I'm sad and lonely. Right. How can I say it's a dark and stormy night without saying it's a dark and stormy right. night? Right. Without using the cliche, the things that's all, mm-hmm. yeah. But you can darn well find old, worn cliches in probably every one of my songs somewhere. Oh, somewhere. yeah. If you <laughs> listen hard enough, <laughs> me, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because, I mean, it just. Well, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, about cliches. In, in some ways, it's even like stereotypes. I mean, they're, they're born in truth, so mm-hmm. you, you can use them, I mean, mm-hmm. to some extent, yeah. anyway. You know, yeah. mind your P's and Q's about it, but you mm-hmm. can still use it. Do you know what that means? I don't. Mind your pints and quarts. Really? It's an English saying about, you know, when people get in yeah. other people's business yeah. in the, in the, in the, in the uh, bar. Mind your P's and Q's, boys. Mind your pints and quarts. Really? I did not know that. Well, it's like, you know what uh, Worth Your Salt means? You probably know this, because I know your daddy ran cattle. Yeah, ran cattle. Well, back in the day, cowboys would get, part of their pay would be salt Salt. for their horse. And so it's worth, be worth your salt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I love all those old sayings. My granddad was full of them. And Mm -hmm. I find myself, the older I get, the more they come out. Oh, yeah, I love them. I love them. (laughs) The more they come out. Yeah. Well, and you, so you you know you're playing all over town yeah and 
you're also a teacher too. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that because I don't know that much about that. All right, so I grew up with a love of music, and mm-hmm. this is all part of my journey. My mom uh, has been a teacher. My dad was a Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. My mom went on to teach also. Yeah. My dad is a prolific Bible scholar, mm-hmm. self-taught. Yeah. Just a salt-of-the-earth guy. My mom's a prolific Bible person, um, but never forced anything on me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I just saw teaching, and I can remember as a child, I always wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I think it's what some people would call a calling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you can do anything else, do it. Yeah. If you can't, then that's probably your calling. Right. Totally understand that. And so uh, I couldn't do anything else. Yeah. I well, I would, you know, it's funny. It made me think of a story. You know, my dad's a preacher. And I remember one time, you know, at the end of the service, you feel called, you walk up, and you yeah, talk to sure. And I remember walking up to him one time. I don't know how old I was. I was in my early teens. Like pre sixteen, yeah, but somewhere between thirteen and, and and that's speculative at best. But I know I was fairly young, and I remember walking up and saying, "I want to do what you do." And at the time, I thought it meant I want to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. But as years go by, I think it's just I always joke around. I think we all have our own flock that we try to nurture, in a way. That's weird. I, I know no. it sounds sounds. Lofty, and I don't mean it as lofty as it sounds. I and, and I think we all—I think you do that with a lot of songwriters. You've got a lot of young people that come out and they'll play mm-hmm. your breaks at new places, give them a place to play. I think you know. I guess we're both just. I think it. what uh, what we we deal with here, Greg. I see that what you do is is a. I think of you, uh, architecturally, like a Corinthian column. Okay, so a Corinthian column. uh, Is it the structure? No. But it holds up the structure. Well, I appreciate that. I certainly don't necessarily always feel that way. Without it, the structure doesn't stand. Yeah. A Corinthian column is is not the deal. Right. But without it, there is no deal. Yeah. And so when I think of what you do, uh, you come up under strength and support and sustain the vision of other artists. Right. Strength, and so the the vision of the artist is, if you will, the home. Yeah. But you coming up under strengthening and sustaining and supporting that yeah. would be the column. And you do a lot of that too. Well, that, I see you, that. I see that. That's how I describe myself. Yeah, I was just gonna say because you do that a lot too, and we do it in different ways. But you know, well, and it's kind of we do it in the same way. We yeah. just have different, a little bit different avenues, but it's the same principle. Like, well, man. And this has come up millions of times on this podcast, but there's something happening here in our neck of the woods, mm-hmm. and it something big will eventually happen out of here. That's already big. Well, it's already big, but I I, I see somebody taking off like a rocket, and I just want to be there and say, "Hey, man, they used to play my songwriter <laughs> thing. I don't want any credit for it. I don't mean that at all." I knew all. him I just, then. Yeah, I, just I knew like, her yeah, back the yeah. day. Well, it's like even when old Carter Horn made it so far on the voice, I'm yeah. like. That guy used to play my songwriters nights, yeah. you know, or whatever. And yeah, Kate Barnett, she yeah. did like that. She gave them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so many of them. Um, Belle, um, Belle, is it Belle Gray? Belle Gray, yeah, yeah she's she, awesome. She went on The Voice, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it. there's some, somebody's going to skyrocket out of here. Oh, I yeah, see there's it's so many happen. big people going through. You got, like, Aaron Kirby, she's playing at yeah. the Sun Parks. Yeah. At the ball game coming out of it. And, and it's just wild what's happening with people. I mean, Cody 
you know, Bolden gets on the bull and he's got a hundred something thousand listens or whatever. Yeah. It just and it's what I've said this a hundred times about Cody. I remember the first time he ever played, mm-hmm. and the voice was always there. But you know, and this is no offense towards Cody, oh, but he would own it. Yeah, he would. <laughs> well, he and I talked about it on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, but it was just like this down strum thing. Yeah. And then if you watch him from two years ago to who he is today, oh yeah, I mean it's a, it's a skyrocket. It's amazing. I always tell us like, dude, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm Me a too. fan. I'm he a came fan. with the house. We played some of the house a while back. And uh, he was looking at a Telecaster, and I put my Telecasters out. We're playing yeah. and talking. And he's like, oh, shit. I said, dude, you can play anything you want. I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. Fan. Yeah. Have at it. Yeah. It's, man, there's just, there is something amazing going on. Yeah. And, yeah, and somehow, in, in the sovereignty of things, we've been uh, given a chapter Yeah. to help write our own and help yeah. write others. Yeah. And uh, that's what we just play our role. What was it that Bill Bow and Baggins said to Sam when they're coming through the Shire and yeah. Lord of the Rings? He says, I wonder what kind of wonderful tale we've been dropped into. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes for us, what kind of tale have we been dropped in the yeah. middle of? And we just play our part for our season. Yeah. And then we go on. Whether it's a, we, we meet somebody, we help them one time, they help us. We met, we, we, it's, it, I told somebody, whether it's a... A lover, a friend, a coach, a teacher, uh, for that season, they come and they make their mark on us. We make whatever we mark on them, close that chapter and go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because I, I'm like you. I've been playing music in this town for a long time, and I really feel like for the first time, there's so much sharing, and whether that's, you know, I've said this before, you know, uh, wasn't that long ago Trevor played Trevor Stark played yeah. somewhere and he sent me an email and he goes man I don't really think it was the best fit for me but he goes I think you do great and he sends me the contact yeah. and I've done that for people you've done that for people you've done yeah. it for me uh, that would have never happened five six years ago it wouldn't have happened no people would have held on to that stuff with kit gloves oh yeah and that, that it was this feast and famine mentality and it's it's just not true yeah I got to come in in such a way I don't know how it happened but Everybody I met right off the bat, my whole vision coming in is, I want to do this, but who can I take along with me? Because yeah. whoever said uh, it's lonely at the top was, uh, I, man, I, I don't want to be lonely at the top. No, I don't want to be lonely on the way, whether yes. I make it to the top. Right, yeah. I totally. want to take, and so my whole goal is to be a Corinthian column. Yeah. Just keep pushing people up like around me. I like that idea, man. I like that idea a lot. And if I and if, if you come yeah. into a place where I've been playing and all of a sudden you're the guy, God bless you. Yeah. Make the money, make the tips. I hope they book you every week. I'll yeah. go find another gig. Yeah. My feelings ain't hurt if no. you take my gig. Yeah. Because it because ain't my gig. Right. And then there's so and, yeah. and like I said, there's there's a, so many avenues now. Yeah. Um you know, whether it's places to play, online options, there's the digital world is crazy, man, what you can do right now. I mean, we're sitting in this room with just one microphone, and there's people in. I, I didn't forget there's a microphone. Yeah, I know. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, so that's me growing up. Uh, grew up with the church, music, singing in the choir. I have to give a shout-out to a lady she passed now named Nettalie Loveless. She's the first lady that called me out to sing. Yeah. Uh, of course, I was forced, probably like you, to yep. go on Wednesday night 
church. Oh, yeah, every time the door was open. And so yeah. like, we'd go, and they'd have children's choir practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was... My, my dad forced me and my brother to stay in it longer than everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else got to get out when they were 12. So we're 13, we're still in it. 14, we're still in it. 15, we're still yeah. in it. 16, we're still in the children's choir. Yeah. But Daddy wanted us to make sure we served the church, and we did, whether we wanted to or not. Yeah. But um, we were at choir practice. I guess I was 13 or 14, and I was just mumbling through the words. And Miss Miss Lovely said, "Kurt, I need you to sing out a little louder, a little bit louder." I said, "No, no. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It was terrible." Yeah. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Sing out loud. And finally, I just started. It was a song. I've decided to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can remember this day. And it was awful. And I, I just more or less like yelled it. Almost like a grunting kind of. Yeah. And it was awful. I was embarrassed. And I yep. was kind of giggling and laughing. She didn't pull off. She said, oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Keep it up. And I tried to get her to turn away from me. I tried to do it so yeah. bad. And she wouldn't. She, she, wouldn't. she kept drawing me up and in. Up and in and up yep. and in, and what I tried to make her stop listening, she dug in more. Yeah, that's and a she loved me idea. into Yeah, she loved me into singing, and yeah. I'd always sing around the house, but not the church music. Yeah, sure. I was singing in a group. Yeah, and then later on, as a result of that, when I was in high school, my course teacher, Miss Becky Walker, who's still around, the most amazing lady. She's in Mississippi. She may end up listening to this, but. I took her guitar class. She took a beginning card. She mm-hmm. said, won't you come sing in chamber choir? Yeah. I said, well, Miss Walker, I play football. Mm-hmm. I play baseball. And I run track. I don't sing. Right. And uh, she said, I just look around this room here for a minute, Kurt. Because I came in during chamber choir practice. Mm-hmm. And I looked around some of the prettiest girls I'd ever seen mm-hmm. in my life. Yep. And uh, I said, what you think? I said, sign me up. <laughs> so me and my brother signed up for chamber choir. <laughs> I was a sophomore. He was a junior. I think that went, or maybe I was a junior. He was a senior. But anyway, we went in there, and we began to sing all these choir songs. I got stuck beside. They put me beside Cleveland Chambers. who They own the chamber house on it down the county. Okay. And Cleveland Chambers, to this day, is one of the best singers I've ever heard in my life. Talk about a, he's like a refined Elvis, if you can imagine that. Okay, that makes Dude, sense. Unbelievable. So I just stood behind him, beside him and matched pitch. I didn't know whether I was singing harmony or lead. I just matched pitch right. beside Cleveland Chamber. Somebody said, how'd you learn to sing? I matched pitch beside <laughs> Cleveland Little Chambers. Mr. Cleveland Chambers. And uh, came out of that, and the boys gave us a hard time. First quarter, remember, brother. Yeah, I can't Next Quarter, all of them, we had, all, yeah, we had a bunch of boys in there. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had some great influence from this Natalie Lovis, Becky Walker, of course, my mom and dad. They came along and just said, hey, you can do this. Yeah. Oh, I remember the first time I played in church. It was terrible. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I honestly can't remember the song, but uh, piano player, you know, she played mm-hmm. along with me. I wish I could remember what song it was. It was so bad. I wasn't on time. I wasn't in pitch. I mean, I I was probably thirteen somewhere in that mm-hmm. sweating. I remember. <laughs> I remember it just like pouring off of me. You know, there's people in the in the, in the congregation saying Amen. Amen. Well, amen. well uh huh. Mm, and I'm like, Yes, bless him, Lord. Yeah, mm, bless him. Yeah. 
And I mean, I guess I, you know, what is to say? And he make a jo- joyful noise. Yeah, it was, Lord. A, it was. It was a noise. I, yeah, it was a noise. I don't know how joyful I was about it. <laughs> we used to joke. Well, we used. To, that's what we used to call the choir at my dad's church. Yeah. Joyful noise. But yeah, you know, that's come up a lot on this show too. Is a, uh, a lot of, and I think it. I definitely feel like it's a southern thing. I, I think it branches out further than that. I think it maybe it's a small town thing. But a lot of us got our start with gospel and church. Yeah. And and I, and I think... Can you think of a singer that you liked that didn't? No. No. Unless, I, don't, I can't say for certain John Prine started in church, but he probably did. He's from Kentucky, so he probably did. <laughs> yeah. That's, I can't say that for certain, but Willie Nelson yeah. certainly did. Yeah. I mean, he's on record saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because my guitar player, um, I started playing, I tried to play guitar, and my mom showed me some chords, but mm. the F chord was the killer. Yeah, so I tried yeah. it for like two days and quit. Of course. Uh, later on, I picked up guitar again because um, of my best friend at the time, Barry Tatum. I was in high school, freshman year. He walks up on stage. I had at the talent show. I'm like, what's he doing up there? And he's saying, Chevy Man and Sweet Music Man by Kenny Rogers on uh-huh. an old uh, 67 Gibson guitar. And it was music to me. I couldn't believe it. So I told him, I want to learn to play guitar. Yeah. So he got, he said, I got this old Sears Regal, $35. You can borrow it. I borrowed that. Yeah. I ordered the Roy Clark Big Note guitar book. Mm-hmm. Started learning to play. And there's a guy in our neighborhood uh, in Latham Town, free home area, named Brian Wallace, who's He's a scratch golfer. Yeah. Uh, he's can sing his butt off. He can play anything with strings or horns or reeds. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And he took me under his wing and he began to show me, you know, some strumming, right. some guitar stuff to sure. go along with that Becky Walker class I took first, yeah. you know, beginning guitar. And Brian really took me. Brian's still a dear friend of mine. So that's where I began to play guitar through that whole thing for the church youth group. Now, mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough to play for the youth group, so I'd carry my guitar and I'd sit behind Brian and some of these other people. And when they'd come around to a chord I knew, I'd hit that one chord, but I'd play it quiet enough. Yeah. So that's where I got started playing guitar for that of youth group and Young Life. Yeah. I remember the songs that I played with Young Life that Parvin Ledford taught me, all those Waylon Willie songs, yeah. I do every night when yeah. I play. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same yeah. song so, I've been playing for forty years. Yeah, yeah. well, they're still good. <laughs> they're still good. You know, you're talking about first guitar stores. That one right there to your left is mm-hmm. my first one, and I got it in a kind of similar fashion. My mom worked for you know she just recently retired, forty years at University of Alabama, and um, one of her graduate students, she just in happenstance mentions like, yeah, I think Greg and my brother Jonathan are going to start taking guitar lessons. She's like, I'll probably have to go get him, you know, a guitar or whatever. He goes, well, i tell you what, I had this girlfriend that bought me this guitar. I'm never going to learn how to play it. If he'd like to borrow it to learn on, sure. So it's that, that one right there. He gave gave it to me. I had it for years. He went on, graduated, got a, he was a professor, I want to say in Texas somewhere, got married, moved on, came back to Alabama one time, and he's like, Greg still got that guitar? And this is at this point, it's probably at least 15 years, probably a little longer. She's like, oh, yeah, he's still got it. You ain't getting it back. But he's, got, he's like, oh, I don't want it back. I don't want it. He's like, I'm just curious if he still had it. And then, unfortunately, 
a few years after that, he was on his front porch, and I don't know if he tripped or fell. He fell, hit his head, and died. And I, I there's no way I'd ever get rid of that no, guitar. No. Never, ever. It's kind of retired now. That's why I'm sitting there without strings on it. I still record with it, but it's it's got so many miles on it, I don't mm-hmm. take it out much anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll treasure that thing forever. Heck yeah. Yeah. But it's just that, you know, it's funny, the kindness of other people. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but, you know, being a pillar to, hey, like, hey, I got this old $35 guitar. He came up under, strengthened, supported, sustained your yep. vision. Yep, and you're still doing it to this very day. Yeah. It's great. It's just one little moment, just one I call moment. them divine moments. Yeah. And you don't know they're divine moments. When big stuff happens, we know yeah. it's divine, but looking back, you go, man, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea that was a divine moment. Yeah, just this, this little, it, it seems like a period at the end of a sentence, but it's really an exclamation point, mm-hmm. you know. that's that, Yeah, I mean, I think about that kind of stuff a lot lately, how all that, you know, the beginning, is, or at least my songwriting is always incubated back in those church days. And, uh, yeah. and I think I've always attributed it to my dad was, still is but an amazing wordsmith mm-hmm. he was very particular about the words he used and when he used them and why he used them and um, like his sermons were always exactly 15 minutes mm-hmm. he, I mean well that's good you, yeah. you know they, what they say the, the heart can only absorb what the butt can endure yep. so 15 minutes is good you well, go his, 20 you're going to get up and walk out this is gospel truth that, uh, <laughs> right here my mom I I had this back row Baptist here on my desk because that's what my mom said. She was a back row Baptist. She always sat in the very back. Well, of the I always figured if that was the front door, that ought to have been the front seat. Yeah, because <laughs> you come in the front door yeah. to the back seat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is gospel truth. If he went one minute over fifteen minutes, she'd raise her arm up like this, start tapping her watch, and he he'd button it up. She probably still does it to this day. Because yeah, he's technically retired, but he preaches at this little little bitty old country church mm-hmm. out, you know, out. You go Daniel Boone's house and take a yeah. left. It's out there, and he loves, and he'll he'll do it till he can't do it. I mean, yeah. and I think it has a lot to do with you know the same way I look at music. I mean, I've pretty much resigned to the point that it's not going to be my living, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I just like doing it, and so, I like being yeah. around people that do it. Yeah, you know. And I think it's the same principle. He's just, I'm just going to keep doing it yeah. until I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Until my hands are too wore out or, yeah, you know, I can't think of anything to write down. Yeah. Which I've been, I don't, I, I've been on a dry spell for writing. Yeah, you know. Well, it'll happen. No, no, you haven't. Yeah. Here's, here's my theory. i got to tell you. Here's uh, my theory about songwriting. There's no such thing as a dry spell. That is a lie of the enemy. It's right out of the pit and smells like smoke. Yeah. Keep talking. Uh, because it becomes, it becomes, and it, not on purpose, but it comes an opportunity for me not to write. Yeah. Because I say, well, I'm on a dry spell. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, that's I have writer's point. block. There's no such thing as writer's yeah. block. Okay, there's no such thing as a dry spell. Now, does that mean that everything coming out is a hit? No. No, no, no. But no. here's what I mean by that. And I taught writing for a long time. Yeah. And I had to get to my, I, I, I've never had an original thought in my life. This is the closest. It's almost to hard to have them anymore. Here's here's here. Yeah, here's the thing. I, I read a book one time that said there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I have a tendency to believe that. Yeah, at uh, least at this point, yeah. 2019. Yeah. So, um, what you do, 
is you write about the block. Mm. You write about what it is to be dry. What is it to need a word from God and the skies are brass? Yeah. What is it to need direction and all it is is darkness? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you write about yeah. the blog. You write, what is it like to be dry? Yeah. To, to cry out for something, desperately needing direction, mm -hmm. desperately needing an intercession, a, a parenthetical insertion. What is that like? Right. What does that feel like? What does that look like? What does that taste like? What? So next thing I'm writing about the block, and next thing I know I've written 17 pages. Yeah. The problem's going to be honing that down. Yeah, whittling it back down. Whittling it down. Yeah. And, and I realize, now I don't mean to make light of the dry writing. No, no, no. I know exactly but, what you're saying. But what happens is we get into that. And now what I'm saying is, what I find most of my friends usually mean by that is that I'm not writing anything I like. Well, mine is, for me, I'm just not taking the time to sit down and do it. That's really what it comes there you down go. to. So it's six minutes a day Yeah. that we can set aside. Yeah. That's three hours a month. Yeah. Now, what we think as songwriters, if I didn't get a full verse or a full bridge, a full A, a B section, or if yeah. I didn't get a full run at that, then it wasn't successful. No, let's just do six minutes a day. That's a good idea. And and book it, book the business, put it in the in the yeah, sniglet file this or whatever. Is what I'm gonna do six minutes. You know, I can do six minutes tonight. I, I I work on finger picking six minutes a night. Yeah, I suck at it. Yeah. I'm a far sight better than I was six months ago. Sure. But I profoundly suck. I'll, <laughs> I'll never be Brad Paisley or Johnny Highland. Sure. Sure. I won't be. Yeah. But six minutes a night, when I come home from a gig and it's 12, 11 54, yeah. I have a Telecaster by my bed. Yep. K-Pod up to Working Man Blues. And I've been working on that song. Working Man Blues. Working, working on that lead lick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So six minutes a night. So the same thing about writing. My phone here has a couple hundred sniglets oh, in it. Yeah, mine too. So mine too. The downside, though, with us writing sniglets, um, and my son said this to me the other day, and it made all sense. He said, once you put that sniglet down, you quit working on it. That's my, yeah, that's my thing, too. That's my, you know, and I've said this before, too, but uh, Carrie Hood will come out and take pictures, and we all love Carrie. Yes, she's she does. amazing. She's amazing. And um, she literally has a, a folder in her phone, because I'll say something, because, you know, I tend to talk a lot on stage, mm -hmm. and I'll say something, and then I'll be like, hey, Will you write that down for me? And I was like, one of these days, I really need you to send me that file because it is full of just random things. Brilliant I said. stuff. Just it's random stuff. Yeah, just random. You know, yeah. just the a throwaway at the time. But mm. then when you start to think about it, like, oh man, I might, I might be able to hammer on that for a minute yeah. and turn it into something. Yeah. So I sent it to you this week. Yeah, Let's do it. I'll do it. Hey, Carrie. Yep. I know you're going to listen. Oh, absolutely. So do me a huge favor. I want you to send. Greg, that file. Yep. So he ain't got no excuses. That's right. Yeah, I don't need any excuses. No excuses. Yeah. That's so that's my theory about writer's block and dry section. Um, you know, I I told somebody, I said, I can write a song. I can write three or four, five, six, seven songs a day. Yeah. About seven songs a lot. No, but they're song. Because I, I, and when that started, I quit giving myself, I quit saying I, one day I called myself out on yeah. writer's block and, yeah. get, and dry spells. Yeah. I called myself out and said, why are you saying that? Yeah. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, it's pretty convenient. Now I don't have to sit down and write. Right. Right. So kind of that old guy, uh, yeah, what he say? He said, uh, when you don't spend six minutes writing this week, what's going to be your excuse? Yeah. What What are you going to tell me when I see you next time about why you hadn't written a song? I hadn't written a song because, I don't know. So that's kind of where I went with it. And yeah. it's helped. I mean, I, now, 
as far as complete songs that I've put out, people go, well, you ain't putting out a lot. You put out a song every four or five months. Well, I've got a bunch of them. Yeah. But I just... But even one every four or five months, that's that's a nice yeah. clip. Yeah. I mean, to have a good song every four or five months. Yeah, well, you know. we'll figure out if we're good. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, though. but for well, mine, yeah, well, you so have good. you have one that you're willing to give. Yeah, you let somebody. Yeah, yeah, you let let somebody walk around your soul. Yeah, that's yeah. what I. But anytime I share my song, they're like, "Is that autobiographical?" Yes, no. Yes, no. Yeah. But anytime I write it, a song. I'm inviting people to come and walk around in my soul for a yeah, little bit. Exactly. My my mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. It's my soul. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I was thinking about this uh, just last night. I was thinking, uh, I think I've only ever written two songs with the caveat saying there's still pieces of me in every song. You can't get away from that. But I've only ever written two that I can think of that were more or less completely made up. Mm-hmm. Now, they had places I'd lived. I mean, they had pieces yeah. of me, but they weren't... I was telling a story that I completely made up mm-hmm. for the most part. And that, it, it's almost always autobiographical. Oh, almost yeah. always. There's an element of us in everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. You're, I mean, Every time. Yeah. You know, I try to get away from it. And then, do you ever find yourself in this situation, you wrote the song, you thought it was distant? Mm-hmm. 15 years later, you go back and re- listen it, to that song and you go, oh, that means something totally different now and that's totally me. Yeah, it's been <laughs> happening a bunch lately. Because so, I've been playing these, with the, the songwriters nights and stuff, I'm, that I, like the Hog and L show, I've been trying to dig deeper into my catalog and trying to remember some of the mm-hmm. stuff that I don't play that much. And then it's totally, that exact same thing's happening. Like, oh, oh, now I understand why I wrote it. I thought I wrote it about, because I can yeah. remember what I thought I wrote oh, yeah. it about. But now I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, oh, that makes That's sense. really, fuck, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's really. So funny. that's the thing, you know, our subconscious comes in there and is, it is grabbing hold of truths and concepts that's much larger than us. And yeah. I don't want to sound like super ethereal or anything, but. But I do think there is something to that. You know, I've heard people say before that like you had your antenna point pointed right in the right direction when mm-hmm. that one song came. I do believe that yeah. they're kind of floating out there. Oh, yeah. And if you tune into it, you can, you know, it's like catching yeah. an AM radio oh, station. Oh, yeah, draw it in. Yeah. Like a cloudy day in an AM radio yeah. station. You yeah, I'm looking for it. I'm one to dial. I'm, I'm, I'm in that place right now. I need a good, clean, clear one just all the way through. Yeah. I'm tired yeah. of trying to get through the white noise to go, what did he say? Back that up. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, that happens all the time. When I'm trying to play a lick, I get in a spot. Where I start playing, and if I spend, if I spend too much time trying to figure out what I hear in my head, I lose it. The muse leaves. Mm. If I spend too much time trying to figure out a particular word, I can't hear the word exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, literally, what I've been doing is I report songs. I don't write so much anymore. I report songs. You know, I've done. I, I think I've tried that a couple times, and I always liked it. And I need. I think I need to do it more. Just let the let it flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, and so what's been happening to me is I wake up in the middle of the night. I'll whisper it in here and it sounds like guard, whatever, but just trying to get that. And if I, but so if I'm sitting there trying to play off this lick or whatever, trying to dig in, it it doesn't get, I I have to skip the word and move on to the rest of it or skip that lick and move on to the rest of it because if I stall there, the old paralysis of analysis. I stop the creative, the juices. You, you, uh, C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, a man cannot laugh and dissect while he is laughing 
at the same time. You can't ride a horse and dissect it at the same time. It's not a good plan. No. Just ride the horse. Yeah. You know, just ride the horse. So that's what I'm trying to learn to do over these years is ride the song, ride the wave of the song. Don't try to dissect. If you miss it, that's that's fine. Just ride the wave, ride the wave. Just put a skip mark, skip mark, skip yeah. mark, and come back to it later. Yeah, because you can always come back and refine and, and hone the edges. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe you don't want to. Yeah. You know? Uh, you might, you know, the economy of words doesn't always matter in the writing process. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I am one of those that likes to, once it's written, I like to make sure it says what it needs to say without a whole bunch of filler, but that doesn't mean that you can't be real verbose while you're writing it. Yeah. There's no reason. Was it Jason Isbell? I heard him uh, the day on the interview. He said, I'm still writing my songs. They're like, what do you mean? He said, well, they're my songs. I change the words to them if I want to. Yeah. Even the like, oh, even I, the ones you've written. So yeah, I still do my songs sometimes. Yeah, I change the words to them. I change the order of how it happens. Yeah, and it changes the whole perspective of the song. Yeah. I take the last verse, stick it second. Yeah, and the second verse, stick it last, yeah. just to see how that story plays out differently. Yeah, I do. And you know what I've been doing? I I have this fascination with waltzes right now. Oh, nice. And I'm taking some of my older stuff and making them into waltzes. Because there's not that many waltzes. What is that, in seven, there. eight? Three, three quarter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you could probably do seven, eight, too, for a little. Yeah, but there's something about that three quarter time that just, there's a lope to it. There's mm-hmm. this this thing. And I don't know why I'm fascinated with those right now. It's, 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 it's where your heart is. Yeah. You got you to gotta surf that wave while yeah. it's there. Yeah, and it's there. Like, I've been taking some of my old stuff and doing that. I've, even some covers that I do. Like, oh, I bet I could make this into a oh, waltz. Oh, man, yeah. That's cool. Take a cover. You know, Take your own song. It gives, it's just a, it's like, I sold diamonds for years. Yeah. I sold I was, uh, sold diamonds for the Shane Company. Okay. I was their number one salesman. Did sales not know that. Yeah, I was their number one salesman. Went on a, went a trip. My wife and I did to uh, Kauai, Hawaii. Yeah. Hung out with Tom Shane, you know, for a while. Yeah. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, hell, I <laughs> How do you lose train of thought about selling diamonds? Oh, it's facets. There you go. See? Yeah, so a round diamond is, 50, I forget, 58 facets or whatever. You know, uh, people want an emerald cut, but it ain't going to shine, baby. Mm-hmm. A marquee ain't going to shine. Mm-hmm. An old cut, old style cut, ain't going to shine. Right. Like that round, brilliant wheel. Yeah. There's a reason they call it a brilliant diamond. Yeah. Well, my, my got an emerald cut. Well, that's fine, baby. It ain't going to pop. Yeah. It's pretty, but it ain't going to pop when you got 58 facets versus eight. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> and so when we step into that place, we see it from a different facet. Mm. We see mm-hmm. a different scintillation. Sure. Of the song. We, yeah. Ricochet, the light ricochets a little differently from yeah. now that I yeah. put that verse second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the whole kaleidoscope of the thing yeah. is completely different. You know, yeah. depending on which way you're facing, the colors are yeah. different, everything's different. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting to think of it from a from a diamond mm-hmm. aspect. I like that. I'll be mulling that one over for Mulling a minute. that over for a minute. <laughs> I'll definitely be mulling that over. And you know, another thing, too, is a different guitar. Pick up a different guitar, and there's different... I swear there's different songs in every guitar. Different guitars issue different songs, and different tunings issue different Oh, songs. yeah, that's another thing I've been wanting to get into more. That's all my thing, man. I like... I, it is so inspirational. Now, my son, Eli, now he does... 
crazy tuning. So I pick up a guitar after you play. I can't, I have no idea, but he writes all this wild, cool stuff. But for me, you know, I just go to open E. Yeah. And play something. Um, drop D. Yeah. Uh, or open D. Open G is a good Open G, one. yeah, I love That's Open a good G. One. That's a good one. Just roll with that. And it does, it births something. And, it, yeah. and what I found, and this may not be always the truth, but it's truth enough to me, consistently enough to be a truth. Mm-hmm. I need to have my recorder on immediately when I go to a different tuning. Because Something is issued out usually initially. Yeah. The first yeah. time I'm going to ask yeah. the new one. Even that first time, you know, you string it up, you, you've got it all yeah. tuned up to say open G, and that first, just that open, just drawing yeah. your pick across the strings in that oh. very first yeah. open thing, Plus, you know? So, like, I've got my, my D versus. Compared to just a regular D. It's yeah. so simple. It's one string. One string? Yeah. It's one string. It's the game changer. Yeah. And then... sound right uh, yeah. yeah 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 which is in, in which in my opinion the rolling stones are the greatest honky tonk band of all time all the time and i will say this and i'll stand butt naked in my cowboy boots on somebody's coffee table and tell them that i think keith richards is the greatest rhythm guitar player. oh without question i mean the stuff he does i had a buddy of mine who was like ah oh, you don't know what you're talking about and i'm like and he's a pro musician but <laughs> one day just sit down, pan his stuff to one side, yeah. and listen to what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody that ever's played Honky Tonk Women, right? Nah. Other than Keith Richards. Other than Keith Richards. There's no way. I mean, it, I mean, this whole thing from the lead leg, what is it like? That's why he goes. Stuff, and I'm like, I don't see how he does it. Yeah, it's, it's so me. smooth. Too. Oh yeah. I mean, have you ever seen a picture of his hands lately? They're all eat up with arthritis, and like they're all bent. They're all bent, like to. They don't go the right. Yeah, they're just made to grip a guitar at this point. Because for. And I saw him in Atlanta a few years ago, and he looked like he was tickled pink to be on stage. Yeah. He played his butt off, smoked cigarettes the whole time. Me and Ronnie Wood. Their lungs are probably encased in carbon. Yeah. And they were all over the stage laughing, cutting up, having fun. Yeah. And just playing their butts off with all those crazy wild open G legs. Yeah. With no top string. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. 
It, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge Stone fan. Well, I used, a buddy of mine who played guitar for me for a long time, Matt Burrell, who moved back up to Ohio. We moved down here for a little while, but um, we we would greet people, other musicians, when we back in the day, and we were like, Stones or Beatles? Would then that that don't get me wrong. If you love the Beatles, I understand that. But that yeah. was just our greeting, like yeah. Stones or Beatles. We'll see what side you're on. I got a funny story about whose side you're on. <clears throat> My brother. Uh, he's a movie guy. Yeah. And uh, he, he did, did the uh, Sam Bush documentary. Yeah. Which is fantastic. I meant to tell you that last time I saw you. I watched it. It hadn't been that long ago. Golly, it's so good. good. Okay, so there's a section of that, of his live show, that's from the Workplay Theater in Okay, Birmingham. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went over there with him to help film that. And this question comes up. So uh, before the show... We're, they're one of the guys who's uh, financing them a lot of it or whatever is uh, he has a club mm-hmm. a private club right okay. there in Birmingham near the workplace theater okay. about a couple blocks away and we go to have a pre-show dinner mm-hmm. and my brother tells me where I'm supposed to go and I have my son Eli with me and Chris says my brother I'll already be in there so Sam Bush and the team, they're all in there eating too. So I come to the nondescript building. Yeah. There's these big jokers standing out front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I pull, I come up. Well, I came up and uh, they just look at me. They said, Alabama or Auburn? <laughs> You're in Birmingham. So see, my gut growing up in Alabama said you might need to go with Auburn. <laughs> okay, so you know yeah. you know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Of course, you know my heart. We already discussed yeah, yeah, where my heart is. roll tide all day long. That's roll tide. <laughs> yeah. But you're in Birmingham, and a lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> that even though Birmingham is only 45 minutes away from Tuscaloosa, there's a huge group of Auburn fans in that town. I so, have I don't, no, I've never understood why. And I'm trying to call it right. I'm trying to call it right because these guys, they're not smiling. Yeah. They're not acting like this is a game. Yeah. Auburn or Alabama. I didn't bat out. I looked at him and said, Alabama. He looked at me like he's going to cut my head off. Yeah. He said, come on in. <laughs> I walked in and was like, oh. This place was appointed. They had a, they had food, everything. They had a workout, nautilus workout facility in there. Wow. This is this guy's personal thing. Yeah. Uh, and in the back, he had set up a concert venue for his brother and them. They just come in there and play. And they had all the equipment, sound system, lights. This is where they hung out. But anyway, that's my Sam Bush store. We were out there. It was then after that, hung out and ate with Sam and all them. Then yeah. we went and did the filming. My brother did the filming. I yeah, just kind of yeah, looked yeah. like I was important. I really wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, Auburn or Alabama. I said Alabama. Yeah, I would have had to too. <laughs> but my gut would have been saying, my gut would have been sitting there yeah. going, man, we in Birmingham, man. I, yeah, yeah. For some reason, there's a bunch of Auburn folks up there. <laughs> yeah. Which I've never understood that, but it is true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. Because Auburn's like pretty good little ways from Birmingham. Yeah. It's not that far, but two and a half hours at least. Yeah. Maybe three. Yeah. So. That's now, don't get me wrong, Auburn people. I just played a big show for a bunch of Auburn people. I love Auburn. Yeah, uh, my dad graduated. I, Auburn. I appreciate Auburn people. I'm just saying, in that scenario, yeah. So please hire me back next year for yeah. that same show because that was a great show. Yeah, yeah. My my dad's an Auburn guy. Like Auburn, Alabama. When they come on, I just turn the phone off. Yeah. Till that game's over. Yeah. Because and my mom's always been an Auburn fan. 
Although, after 40 years at Alabama, I think she's a closeted Alabama fan. She won't just come straight out and say it. That's funny. Because she got to, uh, believe it or not, you know, those student athletes do get a lot of perks. But sometimes they're, you know, the people that register their classes for them, they don't get it right. And some of these guys are actually really trying to do this right. Mm-hmm. And Mark Ingram was one of them. So a few of those guys would come to my mom because she was the registrar at the College Communications. And mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are in College Because they think, you know, football's over, I might yeah, commentate yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So it's a, Jalen Hurt was yeah. one of her, you know. So Mark Ingram would come in and she would help him make sure that his schedule was right and yeah. worked out. And when he won the Heisman, my mom has a picture. He brought the Heisman into her office. There's like a picture. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and of course she was like, you know, you, you need to finish school. And he was like, okay, Michelle, it, it, was, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, uh, figured, you know, why yeah. not I need to finish school? I just got $40 million. Yeah, exactly. You, so you can get a good job. <laughs> I don't need one of that. <laughs> if I can manage my money, I think I'm okay. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of those guys end up broke. Yeah, I don't do. think Mark will be one of those people, but... A lot of them end up broke real quick. Yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, so that being said, I think there's definitely a part of me, or part of my mom, that's definitely an under, in the secret, she's an Alabama fan. But she'll what, still, is, uh, what would you say is your, uh, you said she worked for 40 years. Mm-hmm. She for, just literally retired about a month from ago. the University of Alabama, mm-hmm. and she wasn't a fan. Nope. <laughs> nope. She's a Georgia Bulldog. She grew up in LaGrange. Yeah. Um, and she she's always been a Saints fan and an Auburn fan because I mean you grew up Lagrange is more or less closer to Auburn than Tuscaloosa yeah. by any stretch of imagination. And then I guess you know when she met my dad, my dad graduated from Auburn. She right. she always makes this joke. My dad was in school to be an architect at Auburn, and then he got like we were talking earlier the call to become a preacher. Mm-hmm. His dad was a preacher. Now my granddaddy Papa who's passed away but he was the foreman at a steel plant and then on Sundays he was a preacher my dad was one of the first to like take it full time mm-hmm. but you know, I think he was in his third year at Auburn maybe somewhere in there and he decided he was going to be a preacher and she to this day makes this joke I thought I was marrying an architect I mean to this day they've been married for over probably knocking on 50 years at this point wow. like, I thought I was and then they went on to I was born in New Orleans he was in seminary you know, getting his master's and then his doctorate in theology. and uh, But, yeah, it's it's just funny how life takes turns. But So she was always an Auburn. I grew up an Auburn fan. Until I went to Alabama, everything, every hat I owned was Auburn. Every Saturday I watched Auburn. And then when I finally went to school, because I, I really wanted to go to LSU. I really, really, I don't know, I just like Louisiana. I like the food. I like the people. And I didn't get in. <laughs> It's simple. And I got into Alabama and Auburn and Florida, and I actually got into the Coast Guard Academy, which hindsight being twenty twenty, I yeah. should I should have done that. That'd been a nice run. Yeah, I, I I wasn't at the time ready to sign on for four years of college and then four years of the Coast Guard. That forty two year old Greg is like, man, I wish I'd have done that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's but that's neither here nor there. So I ended up going to Alabama. When you go, to, I was like, well, I gotta I gotta pick a side. It's been Alabama ever since. Everything, yeah, you gotta pick a side, yeah. So, yeah, football is funny. That's the one rule with talking about gigs and music and stuff. The one rule Leanne has is you don't play during the Alabama game. When I 
there was a time where I just I would schedule anything. If somebody asked me to play, I was there. It didn't yeah. matter what day of the week it was, when it was. Mm-hmm. And it finally it was like, look, the only rule I have for you, you don't play the Alabama yeah. game. And if that's all she ever asked me yeah. for music, I think I can. So. Well, it's funny. Uh, my, uh, my wife and my daughter are huge Georgia fans. Yes. I'm like crazy. I mean, my daughter's got a three-step drop pass. It's amazing. Ty yeah. Spiral. Yeah, I mean, she she knows the game. My, daughter, my wife knows the game. Yeah. But it's so bad, I'm not allowed in the room if I'm going to critique anything Georgia does. So my, my designated job on football days is to make chili. Yeah. And uh, if I have anything negative to say, is to go to a different room. And say it. Yeah. Say it to a different course they can, Yeah, of course, they can say it all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I say anything, like, man, that's a crappy pack. Can we not get our defense to cover yeah. better? It's like, I get... Yeah. Oh, you know that, was it? Is it the ESPN commercial? Is it, you know the one where, like, people are uh, changing their fingernail polish and all that stuff? Miss Leanne downstairs. That's it. Like literally, we'll go to people's house to watch the game. We have some friends that we always watch football games with. She will take a couple of different nail polishes with her, and if things start going bad, she—I mean, she'll take the remover and everything, take it off her toes, change the color. She's taken change of clothes before. She's been outside smoking a cigarette or something, and then like uh, we'd score a touchdown. Like, yeah, you got to stay out there now. Because we're doing good without you in here. And like in about a whole quarter, she'd just be standing outside, like looking through the window. That's funny. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, them gals, I mean, so many men would be going, heck yeah. I, I, you know, I, my wife's not a football widow, I'm a football widower. <laughs> Yeah. With football season, my wife and my daughter are glued the. T- I might as uh-huh. well go get a gig. Yeah. Because I'm not welcome in the house. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, it's Saturdays down south. Man. Saturday it's, down south. It's just, man. There's a lot of truth to it. That's uh, There's a lot of truth to it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's my one rule. You just don't play during that. Matter of fact, I was talking to Miss Carrie Hood yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's going to come in and do the podcast. And, uh, she wanted to do a Saturday, which is fine. And I gave her a date, and then right after I gave it to her, I, I said, I'm going to have to check and see when the Alabama game is, because if it's a night game, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. I had to tell her the whole thing. Yeah. So now if it's earlier in the day, we can do it. But yeah. if it's a night game, we're going to have to reschedule this. Right. But, you know, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, man. Oh. Um, Something else I was going to ask you. I, I was going to share a, I had a little thing coming up. Yeah, please. Say everything. Be, uh, tell everything. <laughs> tell it all, brother. Yeah. I don't believe I told that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we've been trying, you know, you and I have tried to work this thing out over and over again. Yeah. And I've had another situation I've been trying, uh, I've been asked to come and have dinner with President Carter. And to play, oh come for him. on now! And uh, my dad's met him a couple of times, and he just loves him. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I'm a huge fan. I taught Georgia history for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So people have no idea the power of Plains, Georgia. Oh yeah, it's not just with Jimmy Carter, but a lot of people don't know about Coinonia Farms. Coinonia mm-hmm. Farms is down there, and that's where Clarence Jordan. Uh, some people read the Cotton Patch Gospels. Okay. 
A lot of people haven't. A lot of I people haven't. Don't, a lot of people but don't I know will. who Clarence Jordan is. Clarence Jordan was a a, a preacher. Okay. Uh, got his degree up in Chicago Seminary, came down and started in the late 40s, early 50s doing a biracial community. Really? Living together in Plains, Georgia, showing that this can be done, that black folks and white folks can live together. Yeah, yeah. In the late 40s, early 50s in South Georgia. That's, that's a, yeah. Living in a community. Yeah, together. Uh, together. All right, so you've heard of Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm, sure. Millard Fuller, who started that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to Millard one time at a, a fundraiser. I was like, man, how I said, how'd you get the idea to start Habitat for yeah. Humanity? He said, I milked a cow beside Clarence Jordan for two years. I said, you were at Quantumia Farm? He said, yeah, I lived there for two years. Really? And out of that came the idea for Habitat for Humanity. So here out of Plains, Georgia, mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter, who at 16 years old, takes off to Georgia Tech on mm-hmm. the train, then comes out of that and goes to the Naval Academy and all mm-hmm. that. Out of Plains, Georgia. Clarence Jordan is rolling in there around the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Georgia's Jerusalem. Yeah. If you will. If you talk about changing the world. Yeah. With kindness, mm-hmm. faithfulness, self-control being modeled. And service. Service. Mm-hmm. What did we get out of that? That's what we got. Yeah. Out of Plains, Georgia, yeah. population 781 people. Yeah. So I got to go down there and play planes a while back at the yeah, Buffalo was, Cafe. What, down maybe there. six months ago? Yes, yeah, give or take. Man, that was the people were amazing. Uh, my good buddy Rob Perry's down there, and uh, yeah, we got got me down there, and, and 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 Rob's this guy who's a genius when it comes to music, but he's friends with all those folks. He eats with the Carters pretty mm-hmm. regularly, and, and and Jill is a good friend. She's She's the head of all that stuff. So, make a long story short, I, in that process, got invited to come down. Well, I said, yeah, we can do that. Well, that canceled. Well, we can do that. Well, I was supposed to go down there, and then he broke his hip. Yeah. And so, one thing, but uh, Lord willing, and I'm going to tell you what this phrase means. People have used it all your life. You probably don't know what it means. Most people don't. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Yeah, will be there. Most people think that's about a of water. It is not. It has nothing to do with water at all. No, it does not. <laughs> it has to do with my granddaddy's people. <laughs> yeah. It has to do with the Creek Indians, yep. Chief McIntosh's yep. people, yep. which my wife is a direct descendant, and her mom's middle name is McIntosh, by the way. I'll uh, have to, next time I'm home, yeah. remind me, this made me think of this, I'll take a picture of my mom's granddad. Mm-hmm. Full-blooded Creek Indian. Okay, so we may be, my wife and y'all may be related. We may be somewhere down the line. Because, you know, he was assassinated by his own people, yeah. you know, down there at Indian Springs. But to make a long story short, I've been asked and have an opportunity to come down there and go and, and serve him and, and play at their church. And uh, hopefully that, that happens. We've tried a bunch of dates. I, oh, man, that would be great. You know. Let um, me know when that happens. It's supposed to happen soon. Let me know. Real soon. I'd like to, I'd like to go down. It's my dad's done, you know, that Jimmy, Mr. Carter, President Carter, does uh, the Sunday school thing. He did that for years. Yeah, he's still he, doing he it. Still See, doing I'm it? coming to play for that. Okay, because my, um, yeah. my dad's been over several times for that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, politics aside, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, they don't make it down. They don't make politics. it. No, it, it, he's an amazing man. We're coming to play, I'm, and I'm going to be his guest at that's Sunday school amazing. class and sing a couple of songs. Plus that accent. I love his accents. That old, deep. 
And so here's what's weird. I got a picture of my mom with him when he won uh, the governor's race. My mom was at clogging group. Here we circle back around. Really? They clogged at his inaugural. Are you serious? And I got a picture of my mom and him uh, together. That is awesome. Really? It's about crazy. Man, that clogging. So, man, you talking about who have I got to meet? The people I've gotten yeah, to meet in my via life. Via clogging. Via clogging. <laughs> of all the things. Of all the things. You know, you go stand among the country elite and go, I was a clogger. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I'd yeah. go, well, I would dare say that I have met more big time country people than the majority of big time country people have met. Yeah, yeah. via clogging. Via clogging. I mean, it's crazy. Like I said, I mean, Haggard, I mean, all of them. I don't like got to meet, got to go on the call me Tweety's bus. I mean, all these got to meet Tweety. I mean, yeah. just these, and I had no idea. I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's Mel Taylor's cool. Jim Ed Brown, cool. Bill yeah, Anderson, cool. Just young and you know, Bill Anderson, one of the greatest songwriters oh, in the history of the world. And Bill. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, oh man, he's written so that song. You know, when he does. Uh, that Brad Paisley did. Harlan? You never got? No. That, 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 uh, I put the bottle to my head and oh, pulled the trigger. yeah. Whiskey Lullaby. Yes. Him and Allison Krauss? Yeah. What a song. He, he said how he got that lyric. Just like you and I do. We mm-hmm. hear people say something. He said he called his buddy, been on a drinking binge or whatever. He said, yeah, man, I put that bottle to my head last night and pulled the trigger. I said, man, I was right there. <laughs> That's how it happens, man. Yeah. You know? It's just, it's a phrase. Somebody says, I've said this before, I tell this to a lot of uh, uh, younger writers, like, well, you have to be at least 21 to take this advice, <laughs> but restaurant bars, I'm talking your Applebee's, your Outbacks, um, you go sit at those, and you have business folks come in and out, they're going to be here tonight, and then they're going to get, you know, they do their meeting, they get on a plane, and they're gone. Those people will tell you Things they wouldn't tell anybody else because they're never going to see you again. There's so many songs I have written down on a napkin at an an Applebee's. I love it. Just because, you you know, you sit there and you're talking, visiting with this person (laughs) you've never met. And they will just, they will pull their heart out. Maybe they're thinking about something like, well, I ain't never going to see this guy again. And it's men, women, it doesn't matter. It It doesn't matter. I mean, it's so I tell people that like those places where people aren't thinking about whether you're gonna remember this tomorrow <laughs> is some of the best place to get stuff. The best place I ever got song ideas from is I took a Greyhound bus. Do I oh, need Lord. to go any further? Yeah, <laughs> I took a Greyhound bus from Marietta uh, to Pensacola. We stopped in Atlanta. If you ever been to the Atlanta Greyhound bus station, you got Magic City, which is strip club right there, and you got the Atlanta jail. <laughs> on either side. She pull into the strip club and the jail, and all kinds of people are getting on that bus. And then we we rolled on in to several different cities across yeah. towns, whatever. And that, if you ever get, you really, you've, you've done all my little secrets about writing about the block. You can't write nothing. Yeah. Go get you a $90 ticket to Mobile. Get you a Greyhound ticket to Mobile. <laughs> Baby, you got more stuff than you can write about in a lifetime. Oh, man. And just sit there and listen. It is yeah, just brilliant. A, just I, that absurd. girl was talking about in front of me. She said, I'm, my man's getting out of jail, and I'm going to rub his feet. <laughs> 
And she was talking about that all the way down. Can't wait to rub his feet. I don't know if that's what she meant. I don't know if it is. <laughs> I, I'm thinking it probably. I, it probably started with a foot rub. Let's just put it that way. We won't say how she it said, is. I'm going to make him some cornbread and rub his feet. I'm like, man, what I got to do? <laughs> so I got to go to jail to get a foot rub? Foot rubs and cornbread. I don't know. I mean, but I mean, I'm just like, where else are you going to get that? Yeah. My old man's getting out of jail. I'm going to make him some cornbread and, and rub, rub his, his feet. <laughs> that is awesome. I couldn't believe it. Oh, man. man I, I wish can't... I had those texts. I was sending my family texts. I yeah. can't believe this. I wish I had those texts. I could go back and write just like a uh, uh, you know drive-by truckers their southern yeah. anthem. Oh, I, yeah. could, I, I could do a theme record from that. I was listening to, uh, I think it was this week, well, it was definitely this week that I was listening, but some over the time over the last few days was the 15th anniversary of Dirty South mm-hmm. by the Drive By Truckers. And I forgot just how good that album is. I mean, I'm a huge Mike Cooley fan. Uh, Patterson Hood, I really like too. But there's something about the way Cooley would write songs. That's funny. You know, I, the biggest compliment I've gotten in the last two years on a song that came out of nowhere. I wrote, somebody came up to me and said, man, that sounds like a Mike Cooley song. Nah, that's a compliment. I, I would like, take that to what? the... Yeah, I'd take that. He's <laughs> always... Because, you know, I mean, obviously Isbel came out of that. Oh, and, sure. And arguably, he might be... He's my favorite songwriter in America right now. He's probably the best out there, at least that I've heard. There might be some guy or gal sitting in their room right now writing better songs, mm-hmm. and we'll hear about them one day. But, yeah, he, he's the poet laureate of America as far as I'm concerned. But always going back and you listen to those old Truckers albums where all three of them are together, man, Cooley, like, there's just some of those songs, like Zip City, and, I mean, I can name off Daddy's Cup, and there's so many. Gun in the Closet, that's a good one. But just the way... It just had a way of painting a picture. Well, let me ask painting. you this. The songs that paint pictures, I'm just curious to you. What would be the two albums or two artists that people wouldn't think influenced you? Mm. I mean, if you go back they your day, they, they wouldn't think. They wouldn't like, think. Okay. They wouldn't think. I mean, yeah, we're going to know, yeah, Willie Nelson. Yeah, like Redheaded Strangers. Yeah, we're going to know. We're going to yeah. know. Yeah, but what would be this guy like, man, I have no idea. That what? Guy. Uh, Ricky Van Shelton's first album. No, nah, I would have never. Is amazing. Uh, he does a bunch of gospel stuff on it, and the way, man, that dude's voice, like, uh, so that, I can't remember the name of the album. So Ricky Van Shelton. Ricky Van Shelton, his first album was amazing. Um, man, that's, I have to think, because I'm obviously the, the old Buffett, people are going to think that, because nah. I play yeah, well, I could get, you. I could yeah, find you know, I could I see that. a lot of old Buffett stuff, like like pre Beach Buffett. Yeah, stuff. yeah. A lot of people don't know just how good a songwriter. He's a freak songwriter. Until he became this. He's character. still a great he, songwriter, but not what he was. He's become this character. He found he found his niche. He and good, a, yeah, more power to him. I mean, he's living the living the dream. But but back in the day, like Livingston's gone to Texas and Ringling Ring. I mean, he was a straight up country music writer. Yeah, like. He, never, he didn't say anything about the beach at all on yeah, his first three albums. Yeah, makes money, buddy. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, let me think. Let me think I don't blame him. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one. 
Man, that's tough. I'm gonna have to think about that for a minute. Definitely that Ricky Van Shelton album. That's a bit Alabama. The band was a big influence on me, but that's probably easy to guess too, just because from where I'm from. Um, man, I'm gonna have to think about that for a minute. I'll tell you a song talking about gospel is, uh, and you'll know this song. That's that Christmas song. Uh, Kathy Matea did it. Mary, did you know? Mm-hmm. That yeah, Mark song, Lowry wrote that. Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember. And that's what I want to say. Yeah, Mark, she did know. Did you read the book? Yeah. Because you read the book? Yeah. Yeah. But, there, <laughs> but the power of that song. The, power, the song is beautiful, but I always yeah. thought, you know, from a theological standpoint, yeah. uh, yes, yeah. she knew. Yeah, she knew. If you read the book, yeah. she knew. She knew. She, try, she tried to explain to uh, her her betrothed <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I like, that's one of those songs like people are into it, and it's a great, it's a very emotional song. Yeah. It's powerful, but... It doesn't have to be right to be powerful. Yeah. I'll tell you which one. John Denver. Oh. Um, the one that has Annie's song on it. I can't think of the name of the album. It's probably in that. But that was a huge influence on me, too. Yeah. I like the theatrical. I've never written a song that was theatrical like John Denver. He had, it was very, you know, big and... Yeah. It, like, that, it was, it's very... Annie's song is so. If that doesn't move you, you've been dead too long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting for me. Somebody asked me that. The reason I asked that, somebody asked me that a while back. And I'm like, well, I hear about the monkeys. Yeah, I can see that. And meet the all the monkeys. Mm-hmm. The first uh, four monkey records, huge yeah. in my book. Yeah, huge, still huge. I mean, you got people like uh, what's that? Uh, Luther, what's his name? who played on Last Train to Clarksville, James Burden, who played mm-hmm. for Elvis. He had the greatest musicians in the world. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, mm-hmm. or whatever, you writing the songs, the greatest songwriters. And then these guys, when they finally come along, Michael Nesmith was always a great songwriter. Yeah. Uh, then these guys come out and on headquarters do their own thing, and that's a, one of my favorite records of all time. So it's interesting. It would be the Monkees... And probably Deep Purple Live from Japan. Okay. Uh, because my um, cousin Karen Wheeler, she's awesome. She still comes to a lot of shows. She, her and her sister Cindy had this collection of great records. So I got turned on to Deep Purple Live in Japan and Deep Purple Machine Head. You know, Highway Star and Lazy yeah. and those things. And then Richie Blackmore's guitar playing. Yeah. So those two records, and then we follow that up with some solid Burl Lives. Yeah. There's a little white dove mm-hmm. sitting in the water. Uh, Burl Lives, and then um, Skinner's yeah. Live, One More From The Road. Yeah. So that, if I put... That one's that. The Monkees. Oh, man. Deep Purple. The Monkees' first few records, Deep Purple, Machine Head, and Live From Japan. I mean, you put those together. I'll tell you what, too. The Allison Chains unplugged. Did Allison Chains get a few? See, now, see, I got you about 13 years, yeah. so that would make sense. That Allison Chains unplugged album and the Nirvana unplugged album, but more so the Allison Chains. Because I was never this huge Nirvana guy, mm-hmm. but there was something about that unplugged mm-hmm. version. But I always loved Did you, did you ever hear the story about the out? You know, when Allison Chains, there's two stories about that MTV unplugged. 
First off, it was right after Metallica all cut their hair off. Metallica's in the front row. The whole band at, at the filming of that. I didn't know that. If you look on the back of the guitars, and the, the guitar and the bass, it says, friends don't, let, friends don't let their friends cut their hair. And at one point they show it, but they do it so quick, you have to really be paying attention. But, and this is not um, to be romanticized, but Lane Staley was so high on heroin during that taping that if you watch it, the bass player, and I wish I could remember their names, and the guitar player, the whole time are staring at him because they're wondering if he's like literally going to survive through this. Like So the whole time you'll watch them, they're like watching him. So if you go back and watch it, it's almost, it's eerie to watch that. I'll go watch that yeah. tonight. Yeah. But it's arguably one of the best performances they've ever done at the same time. But that's not to romanticize that. Don't nobody go out there and start doing heroin. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's that. Funny we have to, it's funny we even have to say yeah, that. Yeah, we shouldn't have to say that. All right. But well, I've always said if I live to 75, I'm going to try it once. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. I just always say that. birthday. We'll let you try it. We'll take you on over to Target. <laughs> take, me, take me on over. Take you I'm on over. It. Take you on over to Ingram so let them get you ready. <laughs> yeah. It's over. It's over. Yeah. Oh man! Well, hey, you know what? We've been you know, it's been an hour and thirteen. We've minutes. done our time. Uh, why don't we do something though? We'll do something. You will be the um, only the second person. You want to play a song? I'll play something. Cool. Because um, normally I mix in a recording, but I mean you got your guitar here with your new. Uh, how now, how do you say that last? Name? It's a uh, Kurt Mangum. Mangum. Okay. Mangan. Mangan with an N. Okay. Um, and my string sponsor come out with my own string. My own yeah, string. I'll put a uh, if y'all are listening to this, I'll put a link to the website where you can get you a, get you a pack, and they sound good. I sat here and played them for just a minute uh, before we got started. They feel good too, and they got that nice thump that I like. They got that bottom end thump. Yeah. That I'm a fan. Of. Yeah. Got some shows coming up. Yeah, tell tell the people. Um, if there's, if there, you might have just missed it when it comes out, or you might have just. It'll come. This will come out. This will be out by Wednesday, this well, week. Like, if you're listening Wednesday, to it, yeah. Uh, I'm in uh, this Friday night. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. At Twin Leaf Brewing. I love uh, Playing for the uh, Asheville. Uh, songwriters thing and I'll be doing that and then I'm playing at Jeep Fest I need to send a if you're in Asheville I'll send a couple I got some real good uh, several good friends that live up there I'll try to get them out they all live they all work for a Trek bicycle Trek travel so they're on the road a lot but if they're in town they'll come they'll come represent if a bunch of people show up on bicycles I love it because I'm a mountain biker that works Uh, and then uh, headlining at Mad Life yeah that's when that's coming the, the fourth the fourth so that's that's big yeah that's big for me i mean that's one thing I've, i mean i've hosted there i've, I've been on the main stage yeah. as, as part of something yeah. i've been on the patio but to be asked to be the headline it 
That's the headline, and I hope more than six people show up. Yeah, one of my goals uh, is to have this a live version of this podcast on that stage. It's oh, going to happen. Nice. It's gonna, and then we're not there yet, but it's going to happen. Um, I don't know what song to say. I can say Anything you want to. Um, I have a funny story. <clears throat> I've had 12 concussions. That's a lot. That's a lot. So I have a great <laughs> memory, but it's not very long. I always tell people that. Uh I'm going to play a song, and I'll probably have to stop in the midst of it because I don't have my... Uh, you want me to hold it for you? That would help immensely. Or I got a... Uh, I'll hold it for you. I'll stand there, and I'll be, uh, be interactive. So here's the story about this song is that... Um, you need me to scroll up? I'll, all right. When you I'll, when I get down to there... I'll, I'll be paying attention. I'll scroll throw up. me up there. I'll um, be your little foot pedal. Yeah, that'd be great for my foot pedal. <laughs> all right, so here's... I play at uh, JD's on the Lake. And it's the same guy that owns JD's Barbecue. Yep, I'm a big fan of JD's Barbecue. JD's Barbecue is hard to beat. Yeah, uh, when uh, Leanne's mom and dad were in town, well, about three weeks ago, we went to the one in, um, is it Ackworth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in the old schoolhouse. Yeah, yeah. it's got the one in Ackworth too. Yeah, we went to that one. Yeah. I, I've been to the one, I haven't been to JD's on the lake yet, but I've, I go to the one out here on... One, you know, the well, ones. you're usually working every weekend, and yeah. they're only open Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. Well, JD has been a chip. Um, he's been a great, great supporter. He's just such a great guy. He's got a big heart. Supports people. Mm-hmm. Supports. He's got JD's kids. He helps kids with autism. Raises tons of money. But anyway, I was playing at his place, and uh, one night, and I saw some friends of mine, uh, the Gahagan, Stewart, and Anita Gahagan, came in and. In between songs, I, you said someone and spoke to him, and I was talking to him, and he said, um, "I said, you know, your wife had the best looking legs of anybody in school." And he said, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. He said we her nickname was Legs. And I said, "Yeah, I can understand why." And uh, said his nickname was Bam Bam. You know, he was a hard hitting football player. But yeah. Make a long story short, I he said, but you know, in my mind. She, We'll all be 17 in my mind. We'll mm. always be 17 forever. Yeah. And I said, can I write that song? He said, sure. So from the time I left I left their table, walked up to the microphone, grabbed my guitar, and this is what came out. Really? She recorded it. And that night I said, I'm going to make up a song here on the spot and see what comes out. And she sent it to me, and I transcribed it down, and this is what I wrote that night. Oh, I had, man. I made one I'm excited change, about so. this. What's the name of it? It's called 17 Forever in My Mind. Here we go. Friday nights and football lights Holding hands by bonfire light Asking you to wear my classroom Pep rallies and fresh mown grass Bus rides to games and talking trash Letter jackets and their first kiss But we're 17 River in my mind Yelling we got spirit on the sidelines Waving pom-poms in the air You had my heart right there Seventeen River in my mind I asked your dad if I could take you out Boy, what are you talking about? A lot of questions then said yes You smiled real big and took my hand And we drove off in my van 
bit too far, a bit too fast. But we're 17 forever in our minds. Yelling, look at the scoreboard and see who's behind. Waving pom poms in the air. You had my heart right there. 17 ever in my mind Marching band, halftime shows Homecoming dates wear rose Still a bit too far, a bit too fast Cause we're 17 forever in our minds Yelling we got spirit on the sidelines Waving pom-poms Ever in my mind the Time has come Years have gone We grew up and we moved on Still every fall I recall That we were 17 Forever in our mind Yelling, look at the scoreboard And see who's behind Waving pom-poms in the air We gave our hearts right there Seventeen ever in our mind Yeah, we were seventeen ever in our mind Yeah, we're seventeen ever in our mind Man, I like that. I like that. I can relate to that. I think everybody can relate to that. Everybody's got that 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 moment from back then. Yeah. I like that. Nicely done. Anything else you want to tell the people? No, I appreciate uh, them taking time to listen yeah. and their support of local music. Absolutely. Because if they don't come out, here's what I've realized. A lot of people want to talk about supporting local music. Yeah. Very few people want to be about it. Yep. They like the fact that there's local musicians doing their mm-hmm. thing, but very few people come out and support it. Yep. I mean, you got people like Carrie and Charles oh, who are yeah. faithful. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people want that. Uh, you got good people like Carrie and Mike over there that mm-hmm. they're supporting local music. Yeah. Uh, you've got Spencer. Yeah. He's our. Uh, he's my neighbor. He lives right now. Yeah, the I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm going to Spencer, uh, supporting, and you got Anna Marie and those folks mm-hmm. over at Rookstone Vine. You yep. got Jaded. You got some people who are supporting it as as owners. Yeah. But that's not what's going to make it happen. Yeah, Buddy Fenty over at uh, Hog and Ale. Buddy, yeah, yeah, Buddy, those guys, yeah, yeah that's doing the thing. You yep. know, they're they're supporting yep. us. Uh, but I'd really like to see more people. I, I'm with you. I am 100 percent with know, you. I, and one thing I, you know, and I do sometimes I circle back to the fact that it is this digital world. So my new outlook is well, if you're not going to come to me, I'm going to take it to you. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to that. watch it from your TV, yeah. sitting at home. So we got some. I got some ideas. Matter of fact, right before we, right before you got here, because uh, this next month, Deborah Lynn, Leanne Hutchinson, and Greg Drews and I were going to do the first. We're going to do a songwriters in the round on the concert window, and I was going to do these every so many months. Yeah. Well, Deborah Lynn sent me a text right before you got here. She goes, "Did you hear that uh, concert window shutting down after August or six, I think it was August sixteenth or September. I don't remember the date exactly." 
I was like, no, I guess we're going to have to find a new... So anyway, it's always constant. Because nobody was using it. Yeah. Which is funny because I do know several people use it. I guess not enough people were watching it. Nobody's watching it. Yeah. That's the thing. And everybody says, yeah, I love... I love oh, you're an original songwriter. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Why don't you come see me? Well, I'm going to go see the cover band. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, I don't want to go see a band play three hours of songs I don't know. No. I get it, but no cup, no original guys I know are going to do that to you. Yeah. No, they're still going to play. We're going to play some cool songs that yeah. you know, some great covers, yeah. our spin on some covers, and we're going to slide in some of our songs, and we'd ask that you not go pee during those songs. Yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> just it's don't not, go pee during the original not, song. Yeah. It's just that <laughs> don't go pee during the original song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's been, this has been fun. I'm glad we finally got it done. <laughs> Uh, Kurt's busy. I'm busy. Yeah. You know, most of our friends are busy. That's why I started trying to do this on Monday nights because yeah. it's usually the one night none of us have to do anything. Yeah. It's pretty much the only night of the week I don't have to do anything. Sometimes Tuesdays, but yeah. Tuesday is kind of Leanne's day, so I don't plan anything. Yeah. On that. I hear you. Um, I hear you. Well, then, um, I'll put all the. Do you have you have a website? Yeah, KurtLeeWheelerMusic.com. There you go. Make sure you go to that. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put all the ways you can get in touch with Kurt, like all his Facebook, everything. Just scroll down. Doesn't matter which, whether you're listening to Spotify, iTunes, it doesn't matter. There'll there'll be a whole thing of show notes. Uh, of course, Miss Carrie Hood at Just a Fan Photography. There'll be a link for her. Uh, Charlie's doing a new thing too. What's Did Charlie you hear doing? about this? No. He sent me a message last weekend. And he said, "Hey, I want to know if you think this is a good idea." I was like, "All right, shoot." And uh, he said, "I want to do something like." Carrie does to help local musicians. This is the kind of people we're talking about. Yeah. We, you know, and I was like, well, what, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, I'm thinking about just building for free one-page websites for people. And the first one he did, the Bluebird 2 were here last week. And they, I sent Charlie a message. I talked to them. They were like, yeah, we would love that. They got, If you can look it up right now, I think it's the Bluebird2.com. That's awesome. And it's just, you know, a simple one-page website, which is, be honest with you, all you need. All you need. You don't need it. it ain't got to be fancy. Put you a couple pictures, uh, a couple of videos, and your... Where's your concert calendar? And I'm that's good. it. <laughs> you don't even really need uh, audio tracks. Because especially if you're going to use it, this is just from a booking standpoint. If you're going to use it to book, people want to watch a video. Because you can fake an audio track. You mm-hmm. can't fake a video for the most part. Mm-hmm. And people like to see what you look like. Too. Not, not that they're judging your appearance. They just want to see... Sure you know, that people like, well, they might be. <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it. But, but. That's why I get on my shows. Based on my <laughs> oh, is that it? <laughs> uh, you must have some. Uh, that's right. Your, bro- your brother's editing all your videos. You make them look You know what? Pretty. I would love to get, I'd love to get him to do a video. Well, me, I can't. I can't afford it. Oh, I know. It's hard to do. I can't get him. Yeah. Well, I'll make you one. <laughs> I've been wanting, I, I was talking to Bluebird too. We've been talking about doing one. So, I've. Slowly built up some nice stuff, so we'll give it a shot. Let's do it. I want everybody to come out if you can come out, you know, come out and support. And what give, give everybody the date again on the Mad Life show? Too. Mad Life September the fourth, seven thirty. I've got some cool people going to do the opening act. Yep. It's not going to be a bunch of people on stage. I got Aaron Kirby. Yeah, she's going to be there playing a few songs. I got uh, Celia Ray. Yeah, coming. I got Luke Berryhill, who's a bad to the bone marrow singer. He just signed with the Cincinnati Reds. He's on the farm team. He'll be coming. Really? On. He's coming back three days before the show to come do the show. That is awesome. And is that a, that a Thursday night? Or That's a Wednesday. It's a night. Wednesday night. A Wednesday night. I'll definitely be there. 
Guaranteed. Uh, so make sure you come out of that. If you're local, if you're in, if you're in earshot of this and you're in Georgia, come out to that show. What tickets are probably there? Ten bucks, yeah. fifteen bucks if you get in a table. Yeah. So I mean, you can't beat that. You're getting four all original acts in one of the best sounding rooms in town. Oh, are yeah. really in the southeast. Yeah, That's and in southeast. Yeah. And, and and we'll throw in some cool covers that'll wax your. Browse, it'll be yeah, good. Yeah, so make sure you do that. But go see Kurt anywhere he's playing. Go see anybody you know that's playing music. That's yeah. really, I think, at the end of the day, what we're really <laughs> trying right. to say. It doesn't yeah. you can come see me? You can come see yeah. Kurt. You can go see Trevor, Deborah Lynn, Greg Drews. I got a list that yeah. goes on for hours. Yes, just go find one and go see him. Yeah, go see a different one every week. Yeah. Um, and hey, for you musicians, when you finally get a day off, take a day off. Yeah. And rest. Yes. <laughs> Rest. Give yeah. yourself a break. Turn your phone off. Turn your phone Seriously. off. Give yourself a break. Yep. That's that's become what I do. If, unless I have a gig on a Saturday night, which happens, but during the day Saturday, I, I don't pay attention to my phone. I leave mm-hmm. I leave it on the charger in the bedroom until I know it's time because that's the one day a week that I absolutely usually have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Every other day I'm either at my day job or I'm doing this or um, playing a show so yeah you, you should take a break just learn to breathe it's okay the world will still be there tomorrow yeah, yeah. and if it's not well then you shouldn't have been worried about it in the first place <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah exactly well alright y'all thank y'all so much for listening um, like I said make sure you go to all the things Kurt they'll all be in the uh, show notes and as always until the next time I talk to you Y'all be nice to one another.